that absolutely believe the Lord called me in. And I think there's also the mystery of like, he's calling me out and that's scary because I saw guys too, like they stayed for the wrong reasons, you know, because you don't want to let people down. Like your parishioners start looking at you like father so-and-so already. And so sometimes there's peer pressure to stay. Sometimes there's just the fear of coming back to, you know, the lay life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of, of Living Fullness. As you know, once a month, we have a, a special guest on to interview them and to uh, talk to them about some particular topic that, uh, that's close to their heart. And this month, uh, we have a very special guest from the States. Stina, would you like to introduce our guest? Yes, I would love to. So today on the podcast, we have Bobby Angel. He is a native Florida man. He's worked for eight years as a campus minister and a teacher at an all-boys school. He enjoys writing and holds a Master of Theology from the Augustine Institute. He's also the husband of Jackie Francois Angel and together they've just celebrated 10 years of the marriage. They've just had their 10th wedding anniversary. They're co-hosts of their own podcast as well called Conversations with Jackie and Bobby and they're expecting their fifth child this year. So welcome Bobby Angel. Yeah, great to be here with you all. I'm excited. Thank you and, and, and congratulations. Congratulations on two fronts. First of all, your 10th wedding anniversary and also child number five on the way. It's beautiful. Yeah, we made it. We haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> marriage, <laughs> marriage has been easy, honestly. Like marriage has been a beautiful gift when you're, you know, you discern well. It's your, you know, your best friend by God's grace. And but parenthood has stretched me. We're going to talk about mm. seminary formation in this episode. And I could have been a very happy, quiet like Trappist that just doesn't talk. <laughs> and But the Lord called me to parenthood and a lot of mm. agony and graces. And, I'm, and I tell mm. young men, I tell young men, like fatherhood is the most exhausting and beautiful thing the Lord will ever call you to. And that goes, that goes for biological or spiritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So we can end the episode there. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, nothing I've dropped, really I've, needs I've dropped, to be said more. I've dropped my yeah, wisdom. Pretty much, pretty much. You've dropped your wisdom and that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, uh, Bobby, would you be able to start just by giving us a short overview of you, you know, who you are and, and what's led you to now being a husband of 10 years and a father of five? Yeah. So in the beginning, um, no. So I, <laughs> we won't start that far back. I... I'm a Florida native, was born and raised in the Catholic faith, and didn't think it was anything super dynamic. I thought it was just a nice moral code, and we checked in on Sundays. And it wasn't until late in high school, I really had a conversion. I really had to wake up to the faith through a different parish that had a really dynamic youth group and was all in. It was like one of those things I can't unsee. Like I couldn't unsee like the fact that the Lord is real, God is real, and he's calling me by name to know him. And so college and university was like all in, all right, I'm going to ask all the hard questions and figure out what the Lord's calling me to, what the church really teaches, what it's about. And in the college years was the first time I seriously considered the priesthood. And I wanted to date and be normal and do all of those things. And so it was kind of this weird, like, attraction to the priesthood that I'd never 
experienced before, like a, a respect for the priesthood, sure, but not like a serious option for my life. Mm. And it was like a beckoning that wouldn't go away. And I again, I tried dating. I tried running away for a while. Actually became a firefighter for a brief mm. period after university and then relented said i'm gonna be an old man and wonder what if if i don't go and check out this priesthood thing and so the diocese of saint petersburg tampa accepted me and three years in formation so two years in the minor one year in the major before i discerned i think i am called to marriage and i prayed for a sign that was loud and blonde and the lord (laughs) and the lord brought me to my wife who we were friends already And it just was very clear after most of my 20s, it felt like pounding my head against the wall and treating God like a magic eight ball, like just tell me what you want and treating it like my vocation, like a problem to be solved, you know, rather than like the Kierkegaard, like, no, it's a mystery to be lived and embraced when the time was right. And I finally kind of like just let go, just received the Lord was like, all right, now you're finally ready. Like, there's my wife. And chased her across the country like any rational man would. And we did a novena to St. Joseph. And on the ninth day, this job at this all-boys school opened up. And somehow the random Florida guy got in the door. And so was blessed to work at this great school for almost 10 years. Now we're living in Texas and doing full-time traveling, speaking, writing. Been blessed to do videos with Ascension Press for a number of years now. Mm. And I'm also... this again the lord just kind of keeps surprising me with twists and turns but stuff that makes sense from his heavenly uh, place i'm working with catholic psych the catholic psych institute right now as a student mentor which really has been so beautiful and so out of left field but really just combines my love of ministry and accompaniment and walking with people so i'm getting trained in that which Again, I, I can see like from my own years of formation, the Lord wastes nothing. So even looking mm. at three years and man, like I have not, I've, I have genuinely not struggled with the, did I waste three years in like considering the priesthood? Like, like that has never seriously crossed my mind because my years were such a time of prayer and meeting solid dudes like guys who are some of my closest friends to this day a time of really getting over my ego and how i wanted life to be and that wasn't always pleasant you know being called to the carpet by formators and deans of men and just having the hard conversations they made me go to therapy my second year of formation i didn't want to do it and i didn't tell a soul during that time because it's just as a guy, it's like, I don't want to admit I need help or I'm, there's something wrong with me or there's, but I mean, the Lord just really worked through those years. I am such a better husband and father and man because of those years of priestly discernment and, and, get, and surrendering myself to the process and saying, Lord, I have no idea where you're leading me, but I'm in, I'll follow. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when you know you've actually got a good you know, a good formative program. I mean, no no formative program is perfect, but you've got a good formative program when you can leave a seminary, look back, and go, Do you know what, that wasn't a waste of time in any way, shape, or form. I'm a, I'm a better man for having gone through those 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 three years of formation because I've come out changed. I've come out in some way closer to the Lord. Come out with a, a deeper understanding of who I am, with all my strengths and weaknesses, and who God's called me to be. That's that's really awesome. That's really awesome. Every guy's story is so unique, and mm-hmm. the seminaries, these schools where men are trained and schooled and formed. 
to be priests, they're so different around the world. Like some are healthy, some aren't, some have great priests, professors and formators, and some maybe not. And so it, when I see young guys, you know, like, like I was like struggling, like they're fighting God, they're fighting it, but they're kind of attracted to the priesthood. They're like, it, it's hard for me to give a blank, like, no, absolutely go. It's more like, well, it depends. It depends mm -hmm. how serious the call is. Like, is it just kind of like comes and goes? Mm -hmm. Is it a respect for the priesthood or is it a true like Jesus is knocking and won't leave you alone? Mm. And that's what it was for me. Yeah. And then like, yeah, like it, where is where's your heart pulling you like diocesan mm. or a religious order like the Franciscans or the Dominicans or the Benedictines or, you know, on and on. Like, so there's those kind of things to discern too. like where exactly might God be calling you. But then mm. what's been beautiful, I think, is this emergence of the propedeutic year. Yes. Which yes. I think would have benefited me a lot mm. that instead of just like coming off the street, you know, if you're working or you're coming out of school straight into the rigor of like, here's a full academic program, whether or not you've ever read a philosophy book, period, like, here you go. Here's <laughs> like 20 credits yeah. and living in a community with other dudes and this a, like rhythm of prayer, like it's a lot to just jump in. Mm -hmm. And you're coming in, and I can speak from experience, you're coming in with all your wounds. Yeah. You're coming in with all your stuff. Yeah. Like you may not even know the, like the story of salvation history. Like you don't need to know, yeah. you don't need to know the Bible back, like front and back, but do you know the, the big beats of the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you know our faith? Like, are you a disciple? And I think mm -hmm. to ask guys to take a year or two at the start, and say, you're going to live in community before we give you a full academic year. The church yeah. has rolled out. I think in the last couple of years, they've announced this. Uh, the propagetic year has been announced about 20 years ago. And we've we've had it here in Australia for the last 20 years. Okay. It was announced actually in 1992 by Pope John Paul II in Pastores Dabo Verbis. He explained that a propagetic year was necessary for seminarians. And it's it's something that my, my understanding of the, the United States situation is that it was something which was seen as an added burden, that it was a burden because it was, the training was already so long. Right. You're then going to add an extra year onto this thing. And so it never quite grew legs in the States. Because my understanding is that it's only really starting to grow legs in the last few years in the States. Is that about the situation? Yeah. So there, there's my own like limited understanding of like worldwide, like JP2 like announced it. Like, I think just because I'm finally seeing bishops in the States take this seriously. That yeah. you're taking guys yeah. off the street and drop them in like the deep end of the pool to have a year mm. where you're living in community and you're you're taking those steps of human formation, which are so key, like mm. the spiritual, the intellectual, the pastoral, they build on the human. So let's make you a healthy human being first. Let's yeah. let's just kind of live in community, get the rhythm of prayer down. Then you kind of see like, okay, am I really called to this? You know, that's so healthy. And so for mm -hmm. this from the state side, there's a few dioceses that are doing that. And I'm happy to see that more taking that seriously. I think especially because our generation, we're carrying so much baggage and we're not discipled at such a large like rate. Like some guys take the the study of the faith on themselves, like they've personally invested. But a lot of guys haven't. And so to jump right in the deep end and say, am I called to be a priest? It's like, well, hold up. Like, who are you mm. and what are you bringing to the table first? And let's sort that out. Like, let's yeah. make you in a good yeah. man. And then let's make you into a good and healthy priest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's an important order. Yeah. And it's, it's so, this is a really interesting thing to me. The, the States typically, from what I can see, I'm admittedly, I'm on the other side of the world. So who knows? Uh, but... <laughs> 
the states, from what I can see, is normally about pretty far ahead of the game in terms of human formation. At least it's been ahead of where Australia's been at normally. So we nominally adopted what was called a proper judic year about 20 years ago, maybe a bit more than that. It might be 25 years ago. But I, I do mean nominally adopted. So the, the, the adoption was there because, well, Pope John Paul II said we had to have it. And so let's have a proper judic year. But what it became was another year of academics. <laughs> right. You know, it, it became another year where stuff, stuff just happened. And, and, and for us, it's only been in the last few years that we've gone, oh, hang on a second. We've actually got this brilliant thing called a proper judic year, which we can keep out of the academic program and which we can help men to develop uh, the, 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 the human qualities necessary for grace to build upon. So... So that's that's uh, I think the phenomenon of the 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 proper judic year being adopted is worldwide. It's just that some places have adopted it nominally and others haven't. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's probably true. So it is a blessing to see that more parts of the states that I think just neglected it straight out <laughs> are finally right. taking mm. it seriously. Because I can point to some dioceses where they do have formation houses where um, mm. over the summers the guys live together. And so yeah. it's just kind of an extension yeah. of that. Like you live together and maybe you go out for external ministries all over the place, but you are learning to live in a common space for the human formation piece to really develop and flourish. And I know there's parts where they're offering like, like counseling, like you mm -hmm. have to go to like to see the counselor like once a week, whether or not you're, yep. you really have visible baggage or emotional wounds. Like, mm -hmm. and if the, that does come to light, we can get that addressed and named and talked out before, again, the intensity of, of full academic workload begins. And then, because then you you can just run the risk of that stays under the radar. Mm. And I don't ever really deal with that stuff. I just kind of figure out how to cope with it. Like I've been coping with it for the last how, who knows how many years. And then somehow maybe you make it to ordination and you haven't ever dealt with the deep stuff you've been carrying. So like it'll, it, it will all come to light one way or another. And so for me, it oh, was... Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was kicking and screaming, but I knew like, no, I've <laughs> got to like get what I'm carrying out into the light. And knowing that like if I'm called to whatever whatever fatherhood, spiritual bio or biological, like I want to be free. Like I want to yeah. be yeah. free as I can be to say yes to this. Yeah. This sort of goes into, I mean, this, this, this sort of, brings up a, a question that we are wanting to discuss with you, I think, and, yeah. throughout this podcast, is that you've had the experience of being in the seminary for a few years and then leaving the seminary to, to, to marry your beautiful wife. Could you run us through, if you're comfortable, could you run us through what, what that discernment looked like? Yeah. Yeah. So it took, a, it took a lot to enter the seminary, like leaving a job and the known and the stability, and it was scary to leave. The second year was a year of a lot of desolation. Like there was just a lot of not hearing the Lord, feeling because seminary it's it's kind of a bubble, oh, and, yeah. and mm -hmm. so it can carry its own like just kind of I don't know culture, its own gossip, its own like just strange way of being. And sometimes you carry the cross of misunderstanding, like your peers or the formators they they put you in a box of like, and that's not who you are, but like you also kind of learn like perceptions matter. Mm. Like, so how do you carry yourself? Because that is again, reflecting like, if I look to myself as a priest, I don't want to cause scandal. 
And so how am I behaving on the weekends? Like, how am I behaving with my brothers? And you, your heart may be pure, but, you know, people can only see the outside. So I had to have some like hard internal conversations with myself because I was fresh out of like, again, university and fire department. So there was a lot of deformation that happened in those years. Let's put it that way that I had to take seriously in like a relationship with alcohol or, you know, rooting pornography out of my life, which I'm part of the walking wounded there that, that hit me when I was like 11 ish or so. But and again, by the grace of God, those years are when I really took the battle seriously. I was like, I, I need this out of my life and was blessed with brothers who walk, accompanied me and some still to this day. And so my third year, I feel like I really just started to take like this question of marriage seriously. And I think out of like two years of some purification, the third year kind of paved the way for some real like healing and regrounding. And with a really great spiritual director, I had to look at like, okay, knowing how I'm built, knowing that I've checked out like nine or 10 books on celibacy from the library. And I can't like, I'm not academically wrapping my head around it. Like, it's a beautiful discipline. I absolutely do not think the Western church should get rid of it. But it was more like my how I made knowing my heart, like, Lord, I really think you have built me in a way that I am called to earthly marriage. And you can talk to any of my classmates and they say like, listen, like he's very honest about this. <laughs> like he's like some guys try to like just pretend they're asexual or try to like, <laughs> yeah, but like they just try to like downplay yeah, yeah, that human beautiful part of, of our desires. And I was very like, yeah, I don't know. This is, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I also know, but I have classmates again that they just settled in and they knew like second, third year, they were like, I am called to this. And I was still on the yeah. fence. Yeah. I was still like, I could go either way. And I don't know. And I just, I just am feeling more peace with the married vocation. And so my third year, I think certainly by middle of the year, I realized, I think I need to, to leave. I think I'm called out. I absolutely believe the Lord called me in. And I think there's also the mystery of like, he's calling me out. And that's scary. Cause I mm. saw guys too, like they stayed for the wrong reasons, Yeah, mm. you yeah. know, cause you don't want to let people down. Like your parishioners start looking at you like father so-and-so already. Yeah. And so sometimes there's peer pressure to stay. Sometimes there's yeah. just the fear of coming back to, you know, the lay life. And so we had some really good classmates, like just stand up dudes, like who discerned out. And it always kind of shook the household. It was like, but at the yeah. same time, if a guy's being transparent and honest and just like, here's what I'm called to, like you had to rejoice for the guy. And it always yeah. raised the question, why do I stay? Mm. Mm -hmm. And mm. so for me, it really came to that point. And so as I'm discerning out, I re-meet my friend, Jackie, at a Theology of the Body course conference. Like, it was a beautiful setting, which is where we first became friends. And mm. the second time we met, it was like the scales fell from my eyes and was like, holy cow, it's my wife. And <laughs> there was a piece that was there that I had not had in three years of formation. Mm. And even the years prior of college discernment and wrestling, it just was kind of like, now you're ready. And yeah. so thankfully it was mutual. Like it wasn't just one-sided, crushy crush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, the Lord can move pretty quickly when it's time, when it's ready. And so mm -hmm. I moved, again, like I said, I moved to California and we dated for three months-ish, though we knew. At that point, we were both like mid to late 20s and we just kind of like, we know, we're just going to wait to not freak people out. 
and then <laughs> um yeah three months of proper dating and then proposed and then nine months later we got married yeah mm-hmm. yep. so that's my story and now i know though there's also the guys that they leave very abruptly there's guys that are more running away than mm-hmm. embracing something proper one of my and again everyone's got a different story one of my favorite priests growing up he left the seminary twice so okay every guy's got a different story here but i just can see like when you surrender when you lay down the fear Mm. god will will make his will known and it's not necessarily Mm. our timetable it's his i guess that sort of makes the question hard to answer because the the observation that i've made that we've spoken about before we started recording it's it's a repeated pattern that i've seen other people have seen not just from you know my own diocese from other dioceses and it's this repeated pattern of young men who are leaving the seminary and within weeks of having left the seminary they're in a relationship and then within weeks or months of having entered a relationship they're engaged and married like it happens so fast and for some of them perhaps you know that was perfect timing, really good, sensible discernment. But for others, there's a question mark of was this rushed because it was so, they was they rushed in, they rushed out, they rushed into a relationship, rushed through marriage. Like is there no space where time is essential in discernment? And I just it just kind of made me go, is there something missing or – Uh, could potentially be missing in that discernment space where if time is not given enough room to pass. And it's also that what you're talking about before too, it's that intentionality of why why you're there too, not running away from or trying to run towards something out of fear or out of obligation or peer pressure, but actually genuinely wanting to be there because you feel called to be there and wrestling in that space too. Oh yeah, and I wrestled. But I also mm. can can tell you I've seen that too, like guys that leave very abruptly and it's kind of like, okay, where did that come from? And then mm. yeah, end up in a relationship very quickly after and it's like, uh, probably dude probably needed a little more space, a little more time to let the ground mm. settle. And for some of that like maybe marriage is the idol that like this will satisfy me and you know, God can work with all the twists and turns we we give him for sure but you always want to discern something in peace and not anxiety you don't want to be again running away from something and just run headlong into something thinking it will fix the thing when it's like you're carrying the baggage from one thing to the other if yeah you're, if if again and i think that's too like we <clears throat> have to have the humility to listen to the people around us and that's tough. And I think mm. seminary like gave me that. I didn't ask for it, but like you're being evaluated every year, which always, you know, mm-hmm. isn't always pleasant because it's again that perception of like, here's what we're seeing. Cause it's not just you saying, listen, I would be an awesome priest. It's like, the, the, <laughs> listen, listen, kid, like the church is also discerning you. Yeah. Like you think you're God's gift. Yes, you are. You're created in the image and likeness of God. You have <laughs> infinite value, of course, but. In terms of being our priest, you've got some work to do. And Mm. so that's not always pleasant. And to the extent we humble ourselves and are willing to hear feedback, to the extent we're able to hear from friends, hey, are you okay? What's going on? Are you happy? Mm. Like, Mm. this is kind of rushed. This is kind of fast. Like, to the extent we're willing to hear that and hear the wisdom from others, 
parents, friends, colleagues, people who love and care for us will be better for it to the extent we push mm. those voices of accountability away. Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear it. I want to do my own thing. It's like, well, okay. And God respects our free will and he'll let us, mm. he'll let us go. Even if it's not the most thought out decision. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, I guess something you were saying before too, about, you know, how it shook the community when someone would leave. And there's, there's that aspect too. There's relationships that are formed yes. in that community that when you leave and leave so abruptly and then abruptly enter into another relationship, there's a, there's potential there to hurt as well, because there's already a group of people who are now having to sort of re restructure, rejig, refind their balance without you. And then saying, Oh, there's no, there's no settling for that person either. They've just run straight into something else. And I mean, what you just said, Stina, is so good because there is this like band of brothers kind of aspect of like trust we have all built up. You come from all walks of life, you know, athletic, not athletic, business minded, no business sense, like this strange cadre of guys living together. Mm -hmm. And that when one leaves, like, yeah, there is this like, oh, man, especially if he's like a good solid dude. Now, again, if he's being transparent, yeah. if he's vocal, if he's like kind of if he's being honest with the spiritual director there's transparency you know you, it may it sucks in the short term but there's like you're happy for the guy you're like good yeah. go make yeah. babies do whatever the lord wants you to do <laughs> um yeah. but it is like when the the abruptness happens and then all of a sudden he's in a relationship really quickly it's kind of like you feel there's like a trust that's been broken or like the relationship part is so key yeah yeah there's sort of two things that stick out in my mind like if a guy's in the seminary for six months or something and and looks at it and goes okay you know what? i gave this a go because I, I thought i needed to give it a go i've given it a go for six months and i've looked at it and gone god definitely does not want me here like this is <laughs> this is you know i'm not at peace about it there's uh, you know not wanting to to be here i know this isn't where god wants me i i feel a lot of peace in regard to the married life i think this is something that I should, that you know, I should, I should, I should leave. Like even if he he lasts a proper duty year, a full first year, good on him. He's given it a, he's given it a good shot. Right. And if he goes and and then you know if he finds himself in a relationship, I don't. Time isn't so much an issue for me as a bigger question around motivation, because motivation I think will help in determining the appropriate course of action. You know, like like. Am I leaving the seminary because I actually feel like God is is calling me to go and be married? Or am I leaving the seminary because something just got revealed to me about myself and I've got to work on some stuff and I'm not prepared to work on that stuff? I'm out of here. And uh, But getting out of the institution is a little bit scary. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a new direction in life. You know, he is... He's a possible direction. He's someone who's 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 looking for a husband, and I'm now looking for a wife. Hey, you know, so so it's sort of it's there. Fear is guiding the decision making process, and while ever fear is governing the decision making process, the decisions are always going to seem very ill timed. They're always going to have a jarring aspect to them. They're not going to flow well because the Holy Spirit isn't the one who's running the motor, so to speak. So whereas. If a guy's like, actually, I've I've come to the end of this propagatic year, and I'm really at peace with the fact that God does not want me here. I'm 
I'm ready to go and you know look at where God wants me next, looking at what what this next stage of my life is going to look like in all of its scariness that 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 sort of entails. Right. Um, well, well, that's that's a whole different kettle of fish. Whatever happens from there, you've you've got a man who's mature enough to recognize that this is not where God wants me. He wants me somewhere else, and you can be open to whatever possibilities come your way. Um, so time doesn't concern me as much as motivation. Mm. Like I wouldn't want to stick a time limit and say, no, you must wait X amount of time mm. before you go and do the next thing or before you like that, that would be, I think a, a problematic approach, but to look at what is it that's motivating me to make this next step, whatever it is to stay in the seminary or to leave the seminary to get married or to pursue someone's heart or to take a, a, a step back whatever it might be, what is it that's actually motivating that? What sits behind that? Is it fear? Fear of the unknown? Is it fear of of leaving the institution? Fear of not having a direction? Or is it a genuinely peace-filled adventure that the Lord has placed in front of us that calls us to step out and trust? Uh, so motivation for me is... Yeah. It, it, yeah. I guess I guess perhaps time's not the, the right way, more the rush as opposed to the time if there's a rush behind yeah, the decisions sure. that are being sure. made as opposed to how much time is is lapsed or has lapsed or should lapse <laughs> yeah. before, yeah. you know, X, Y decision is made is are you rushing out of the seminary? Are you rushing into something yeah. else? That is yeah, probably a better way of phrasing it yep. than time. So Actually, I, I think I you could use that word, there. rush. Yeah, yeah. No, fair, fair. Yeah, and that, that too is where, like, again, every guy, every, every guy's story is so different. In terms of age they entered, like the maturity there, the stories, the wounds. And I saw all stripes and sizes um, mm. in such a beautiful way in my my limited time. I have such a heart for seminarians because I know it is it's a lot. It's a lot that the Lord has thrown at these guys. A lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of pressure from, like I said, sometimes the parish community sometimes from themselves. And it's such a journey from start to finish. And um, it used to be, at least like in the States, more of a, you were seen as a failure if you didn't make it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, mm -hmm. I don't see much anymore. I think most people are oblivious mm -hmm. to like seminaries, like the process at all. They just think the problem is you're in, they automatically think your father so-and-so. It's less about yeah. like failing. It's just... I think people that know have a more compassionate understanding of the process. Yeah. And some guys acclimate back to lay life very easily. Some guys struggle. You go from living in a household of other guys, all walk in the same direction, same rhythm of prayer, to kind of like back to being a lone ranger in a way. It's like, well, good luck. Mm. Yeah. So some guys, that's, that's a big struggle. Kind of what you guys were mentioning too, like it's so hard to know from the outside. And this is where it really is up to like the 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 man and the, and the Lord. Yeah. Are you letting peace drive the bus? Or are you letting fear and anxiety? And for me, it was almost, I had to like stop from second guessing myself because the doors were just kind of flying open of like, here's your wife, here's a job. It was all happening very easily. And yeah. I almost had yeah. to be like, no, 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 it's happening too fast. It shouldn't take, it shouldn't like, this should. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. it was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't refuse the gift. Mm. For me, that was like, so from, from my own wounds, it was kind of like, you don't deserve this. Like, no, this is, mm. the Lord is too, mm. 
like he's being too generous. He's being too good. It's yeah. like, no, receive the gift. So real. My Ugh. spiritual director was like, listen, there's not enough love in the world. Mm. If he's called you to this, you fill it up. Like you fill it up with love. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, um, <laughs> and I had a friend, uh, you know, I had a friend ask me uh, in the, a couple months after I left formation, she asked me, do you think you confuse the call to holiness with the call to holy orders? Because we're all called to holiness. Yeah. You know, male, female, married, unmarried, religious, priest, mm -hmm. etc. Like we're all called to integration, holiness, to be disciples of the Lord. And I had never thought of it in that dimension before. And I thought about it for a couple minutes before I responded. Because it really threw me for a loop. I, I honestly said, I know. Like, I really, I, be, I believe and I know the Lord called me to seminary formation for a reason. However, I did meet guys along the way and, and have met guys in the years since who think, and girls too, who think like, in order to be holy, I have to be a priest. In order to be holy, yeah. I have to be a nun. Mm. And, you know, I'm always, I like to poke and be like, why? Like, why is that so? Yeah. Like, why do you think that? Yeah. And Because I'll tell you, like, man, I think for the majority of humanity, we are called to marriage and parenthood because this is the thing that will crucify our egos. Like, yeah. this in a real way will get us over ourselves. The beauty yeah. of children is like, it's not about me anymore. I, I love my little mutants. And it could be so many. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love the, 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 I've heard you describe them like that. <laughs> Yeah, um, they are great. They are a hoot. But but that like, no matter what, you're called to be holy. So it's like, Lord, where yeah. do you want me? Like, where yeah. do I fit? Yes. Like, help me to, and help me to cooperate with that. Because there's also the like, Lord, this is where, how I, this is the box that I wanted my life to be in. Take it. Like, you have permission yeah. to destroy it, blow it up, and make it something better than I ever could imagine. Yeah. 100%. This is... Uh, yeah, rightly said, Stina, 100%, because almost the, the sort of precondition of setting upon the journey of discovering, Lord, how do you want me to to live out holiness is is recognizing that each and every one of us are actually called to be saints. We're all called to be holy. We're not called to be holy in the same way. I've had students say to me, you know, Father, I want to be a saint. I'm like, well, I'd settle for you getting your assessments in on time. Like that's, you know, it's, it's you want to be a saint, that's awesome. But let's start with the most practical thing that you can, which is get stuff in on time. Like that's the start of sanctity is doing what you're meant to be doing at the time you're meant to be doing it, doing it for the right motivations and doing it well. So let's work on that. And then we might be able to work further towards towards the idea of, of saintliness and sanctity. But the... the, the Everyone at every single moment of our lives is called to sanctity, called to holiness. Like there's never a point where it's like the call to holiness kicks in. <laughs> it's it's <Yeah. laughs> it's it's already kicked in. It kicked yeah. in like you know at the moment of conception. It kicked in like there's there's <laughs> it's 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 there. So yeah, no, I, I very much love that. That's yeah, hundred percent. And there's just I was even thinking before. There's just so much hurt as well in the world that who knows? There could be so many different reasons, so many different motivators that underlie this belief of religious life is the only way to be holy. You know, if that if that's the belief that someone holds, there's so many things that can sit under that from overinflating 
what the religious mm. life looks like or could look like and what it must feel like, that it might be an easier path somehow, or you not, you know, looking at marriage as beautiful, not because the world is so wounded. We have so many separated and broken families and homes. It's hard to find families that are together and thriving and, you know, doing the grind, like hard battle yeah, stuff, yeah. but also thriving in their lives. It's hard to find those. So there could be so many different, so many different motivators that underlie mm. that belief system that stops them from really, stops a person from really embracing what God's calling each and every person to. Bobby, you mentioned something before, which is worthwhile just investigating for a little bit, which is You've seen a, a, a host of blokes go in and, and, and go out for a multitude and a variety of reasons. And it, it, it seems as though there is, as well as the my, – my experience as a seminarian and as a, as, as a formator is that there is a, a strong tendency to go in both married life and also going into the seminary, that both of those are sometimes viewed as a shelter to escape. So it's 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 a place where you know oh gosh I I have these I have these serious problems and maybe the serious problem is you know one that 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 constantly rears its head today pornography, well okay I'm I'm if I go to the seminary I'm sure that I'll solve the problem or I'll escape from the problem there or if I get married that'll solve the problem you know it's like mm. no no not neither of those avenues is going to solve this problem what needs to be spoken into our present Christian culture to help both young men and young women see that a vocation is not a place to flee. Uh, it's not a place to flee from something. Yeah, we could do another hour on this one. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> no, no. Stina, you want to take this one? This is, <laughs> I mean, just like kind of what we said about like running to versus running from. And so, yeah, like walking with a young guy now who had a very hurt witness of marriage like child of divorce and like verbal abuse and all this stuff so his idea of marriage is very and admittedly he knows like it's it's skewed and it's broken so for him like he's worried and we've kind of unearthed this is he's worried of passing that trauma on mm -hmm. to his children mm -hmm. if he's called to marriage right. so for him he looks at the priesthood as as like let me run away to this option and so we're mm -hmm. kind of rehabbing his idea of marriage again looking at beautiful marriages and families around him mm -hmm. and say you do not need to repeat the cycle of the past you can have a radically different marriage than that of your parents while honoring them and, and loving them seeing the brokenness that's part of all of our stories and even like yeah some seminarians i i walked with who you could tell like they were either here because of family expectations not necessarily they felt free i think freedom is the big thing like, are, were you free to enter? Are you free to leave? Or what are, What might you be shackling you in the dark? What might be shackling you mentally, like psychologically? That And that that for me was kind of like part of the, the therapy in my second year was like stuff I didn't know I was still carrying from college mm -hmm. that we were able to unearth and, and examine and look at and have, has led me to being a freer man today. There's another story too that just fled my mind because I'm a tired dad. <laughs> I'm a tired dad, and it's happening more and more. Oh. So let me take a dramatic sip of coffee, and you guys can fill the silence. <laughs> <laughs>
No, we're just going to sit with the silence yeah. and make it incredibly <laughs> awkward. You can you can small group me. <laughs> just small group me and nod on this podcast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not That's coming. Brilliant. It's not coming. That's okay. It may or may not show up in the Patreon section after this. So we'll we'll just Ooh, good yeah. teaser. Don't push it. Don't don't push it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to try and wrap up though, one of the things you said ve- at the very beginning, which I think would be really really helpful for any young man who has ever had that fleeting thought of possibility of the seminary, something you identified very early on was that there was this nagging, like, you know, Jesus kept knocking. He kept coming at you. He wasn't going to let up. And it was this question of, well, if I don't go there, then I'll never know. But that takes bravery, though. That takes courage to be able to do. And I'm certainly finding and have found for years with the men that I speak with who are umming and ahhing, they have a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear about whether to even try for the seminary, to just give it a go. So is there something you would say to those young men who are sitting there thinking, I've had this thought, I'm trying to push away the thought, I don't want to entertain that thought? Like, Is there anything, any word of encouragement, any, anything that you can give? Jesus wins in the end. <laughs> Love it. You can run as fast <laughs> as you can. He's the hound of heaven. And so, <laughs> I mean, I had firefighters because I was, I had a job, like I was working and this thing I had shoved down since early in university was like flooding back to me. And I realized I'm going to be an old man and wonder what if, and I had firefighter colleagues be like, dude, just, just work 20 years, like get your pension and then go off and do this priest thing. And I just was like, no. Like, I, I got to give my youth to the Lord, mm. like, not my tired, mm. like, leftovers. Now, now I am tired. And I feel like it's, <laughs> but it's, it's like, I'm so glad I gave the Lord my best years. And as I said, they were absolutely not a waste. I'm a better man because of saying yes to that. And so there also is like, just the, the baby steps of like, okay, this is more than just kind of a passing, maybe, maybe not. This is, this is knocking this is something to look at the lord's asking me to look at it making time for silence and prayer um and then it's like dating like you don't go to asking the girl out to marriage usually it's the baby (laughs) steps of like you ask her on a date you ask her on a second date and etc and so you talk to a priest what's it like being a priest how did you know you talk to a vocation director, you do a come and see where you visit a seminary or religious house. I visited the Dominicans in St. Louis and because that was the only order I seriously considered and very joyful guys, very much gelled with the charism, but I just had a peace with the diocesan life. So I, I checked out a few options and just where the Lord was giving me peace, I just kept following. So yeah. for any guy out there, be not afraid. To echo John Paul II, be not afraid. And Pope Benedict even said, I think in one of his first papal messages or his homily, he said, the Lord takes nothing away and gives you everything back. Like, be not afraid of Christ. The Lord takes away nothing but gives you everything. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And for the Patreon community, I did remember the story. So you guys can... (laughs) Excellent. We'll come back to that one. That's marvelous. (laughs) Look, my role here in the Wagga Wagga Diocese, um, like most priests, I suppose, I have about seven different hats, but uh, and do none of them particularly well. One of the hats I'm I'm wearing is vocations director for the Wagga Wagga Diocese, 
And for my American friends, if you're wondering what the heck did he just say, Wagga Wagga <laughs> what where now? It's a little diocese between Sydney and Melbourne. For young men in the Wagga diocese, if you're hearing this, if you're hearing these words, I, I can't help but echo what uh, exactly what uh, what Bobby has said. That uh, you know, don't be afraid. And and in the end, there's nothing really to be afraid of. The only thing is, just you, you, one cannot discern in a vacuum. One must always discern concretely by, by by making concrete decisions and choices. So, so you know, if you're thinking that there's a, a, a vocation there and it's more than just a fleeting thought, give it a whirl. And that's mm. my promo done. Yeah. <laughs> so, Go and so, talk to the vocations director. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time, Bobby. We really appreciate you coming on here with you know, being able to open up seminary formation conversation, seminary discernment conversation yeah. with us. So thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you guys for the invite. As we always do with our guest interviews, we do have a rapid fire number of mm. questions that we're going to just kind of throw at you. They come from left wing. They're completely, you know, off the books. <laughs> so, you know, Padre and I haven't even talked about this. Like we're just kind of going to throw it and see what happens. So just the first thing that comes to mind for you. All right. So first off, Tea or coffee? Coffee, all day. Good day. <laughs> all day. And all night by the looks of it too. And all night in my time zone. <laughs> Still drinking it. <laughs> okay, question two. If you could speak to any author for five minutes who's now dead, who would it be and what would you ask? Oh, there's too many. <laughs> oh, who is dead? Who yeah. is dead? I would go with Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. Mm. He was a survivor of Auschwitz, Austrian Jewish therapist, psychiatrist. Like, just his story. It is so logos-centered, which is like the therapy he developed, and just so like dripping with Catholic, a Catholic understanding of suffering. And mm. a free, like... You don't choose your circumstances, but you choose how you respond to them. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. What is the coolest or strangest thing that has ever happened to you? Oh, what comes to mind is I went surfing in Ireland and it was very, 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 very cold. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, the, the wetsuit was like blubber and... Um, <laughs> I was worried about sharks, and they're like, there's no, sh no sharks up here, mate. <laughs> just freeze. Yeah, they just freeze. I'm like, oh, everywhere, everywhere else there's sharks. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. question four. If your wife and children had to use one word each to describe you, what words would they pick? One word each? Um, mm. My wife would say rugged. <laughs> my children would say stinky. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't think I am, but <laughs> very good. No, no. Just the, the way to keep Bless. me in keep me in check. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Finally, uh, what is one secret talent you have that most people don't know about, or one that you wish you had? I wish I could sing. I know I can sing, oh. but I just—it's a self-confidence okay. thing. I am happy mm. to just stand back and um, do the rain stick or the cowbell. I draw. It's been a number of years, though. Oh. Yeah. Cool. I was always doodling what in class. What kind of medium? I like pencil, just like black and white. It kind of dropped off when I got into um, college. But it comes out here and there. There's just deeply ingrained oh, wow. like like um, muscle memory that I'll just start drawing a dinosaur with my kids or Yoshi. 
from Mario. Nice. Yep. And they're just like, where'd you learn that? And it's just it's <laughs> in the back of my brain that you're not allowed to access when you're an adult. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I can draw things. <laughs> nice. nice. That's, That's really cool. awesome. Well, look, thank you so much for, for being with us, Bobby, and for, for sharing part of your life, part of your story with us and opening up some of the, the, the questions around discernment. Um, it's been wonderful having you on, wonderful having your insights. Yeah, no, thank you guys again for having me. We'll be praying for you, your team, and the, all of your listeners. Thank you guys. Good thank on you. you. Thank you. Where can people find you, Bobby? You can't. You can't. Okay, I'll always no be, I'll always be one step Bobby. ahead. Of, I'll always be one step ahead of you. <laughs> you will never find me. We have a website, JackieAndBobby.com. I'm on Instagram, Bobby.Angel. Yeah. And then for anyone who's really in the throes of discernment, uh, shameless self-promotion here, we wrote a book, okay. Pray, Decide, and Don't Worry. And all on vocation, discernment, and whether, I mean, it could be religious life. It could just be what college should I go to? What job should I do? Like any decision. We wrote it open-ended that way. We co-wrote it with Father Mike Smith, which essentially presents. So he shares yeah. his... He shares his wisdom and testimony, and that is available on like ebook and audiobook if it's not physically in Australia. And it was really, it really is like the book I wish I had when I was 20, because it, it really is mm. all this kind of discernment wisdom I learned from the school of life and seminary formation. And so I'm we're proud of that one. That book is through Ascension Press. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. I love the yeah. promotion. Yeah, uh, super easy so, to read. I have read that one. It's on my bookshelf. <laughs> it took it. A, it took a long Loved time it. to write, and then people were like, "Oh, I read it in like two hours." I was like, <laughs> "Yeah," <laughs> like, so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> you made it, it. That's that's how much work you put in. You made it so easy for us. Thanks. The amount you of it. hours you yep. put in, Thank you, for you that. made it easy for us. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. Well, thank awesome. you again, Bobby, for being on the show with us. And thank you for watching or listening wherever you might be watching or listening from, whether you're on YouTube or in your car or in your home. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you are one of our Patreon supporters, jump over to Patreon and check out the behind the scenes conversation that we're about to have with Bobby, where he's going to share that story that he remembered. So jump over there. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, please do consider joining one of the tiers that you can afford in supporting this ministry. But as always, we will catch you next time. But until then, know our love and prayers. God bless.